When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Bigfoot Collectors Club with Bryce and Michael. <laughs> I know a ghost story or two. Let's do this. <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Bigfoot Collectors Club, the show where we talk to amazing guests about their personal paranormal histories and share stories of high strangeness. I'm your host, Michael McMillan. With me always is your other host, Bryce Johnson. And usually with us is our super producer, Riley Bray, but he had to step out into another dimension for the week. Uh, So with us in his stead, we have Mr. Ryan Counts House, who from is from Campfire Media, and he's filling in for us with his baby, Mr. Baby. Yeah. Mr. Baby's in the studio today. You might hear a little baby in the background. Goo goo gaga. Um, so this episode we speak. This is uh this is an episode that's for UFO nerds. Okay. We get into the thick of UFOs with uh one of our favorite guests, friend of the show, Ryan Sprague, who is an author. And a uh, podcaster, he's a ufologist, he hosts a show, Somewhere in the Skies podcast, which Bryce and I have both been on. Big fan. Yeah, and he's been on the show before. So this episode, we talked to him about all the latest updates in the UFO world. Yeah, and then we go through a, uh, a little primer on what's good UFO material and what's not so good UFO material. You know, because like, you guys may have been listening to this for, for a long time, you might be new, and you still might be like, how do I get into all this stuff? stuff who should i read mm-hmm. what should i pay attention to uh so we get into some of that in the second half of the show uh so here we go this is our conversation with ryan sprague enjoy hey we got ryan sprague on skype what's going on dude how are you what's up guys i um i'm i'm uh joining you from new york city this time i was in la last time so i apologize if there's any subway noise in the background I literally like, a block from the train i like the subway noise it's ambiance we have a little at, we like a little atmosphere yeah yeah it definitely helps what i is, think bryce last time i had you on there were trains galore so yeah all, we're getting used to it all good what did what did la do to you why did you have to leave us there aren't ufos in new york <laughs> they're all out here come on it's so true, man. There's like when people ask me, like, well, what's why do you live in New York if you're a UFO, you know, investigator, or researcher? I'm like, well, you know, I do have a life outside of this, too. And that life seems to uh, air on the side of New York City. But, um, hey, any chance I get to come out and visit you guys is uh, is a treat. I, I miss L.A. a lot. I can't lie about that. Well, you're always welcome. And uh you know, let's let let's jump right in. You know, for our listeners who probably know who you are and those who don't, Ryan Sprague is uh, an incredible podcaster on all things UFO. He uh, hosts and created the podcast Somewhere in the Skies, as well as wrote the book Somewhere in the Skies. 
Um, and we want to sort of talk to you today to fill our listeners in on on sort of what you've been up to and, and what's going on in the UFO field. Yeah, I think it's been a year since you've been on the show, Ryan. So a lot has happened, I feel like, in uh, you know, Bryce won't stop talking about stuff that I don't totally understand. Uh, so we thought, who else better to bring us up to date with everything in the world of UFOlo- UFOlogy than Mr. Ryan Sprague? Yes. So yeah, well, thank you. So what's going on right now? What's the latest? Oh, man. <laughs> what's the latest? Where do I even begin? I mean, I don't even know if the last time we talked, I think... Uh, Sort of the whole New York Times story thing um, had already broken, obviously, yep. but uh, it has gained a lot of traction since then. So for any of your listeners who aren't too familiar with that, I think it was late 2017. I don't know if this you want me to get into this. Yeah, that's great. That's of, a good way to catch people up. That was right when we started the show. Oh, okay, perfect. Yeah, so uh, this was December of 2017. A story broke in the New York Times, written by uh, you know noted UFO researcher Leslie Kane and a few other authors as well. Ralph Blumenfall being another one. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, this story broke that the Pentagon had been investigating UFOs uh, secretly or covertly for almost seven years or so, I want to say, yeah. um, under the guise of uh, the Department of Defense. So this is, this is pretty crazy. We were told that the government's official investigation of UFOs ended in, I believe it was 1969 with uh, Project Blue Book. And uh, ever since then, we thought, oh, the government's done looking at this topic. But little did we know they had actually been investigating it uh, pretty much up until today. This program is still going on with inside the Pentagon. Uh, But yeah, it's been pretty crazy since then. It's just blown up and uh, UFOs have seemingly gone mainstream. So (laughs) as a UFO researcher, I mean, this is a dream come true for someone like me. So yeah. Yeah. I feel like everybody's been trying to catch up with that article and unpack everything that was in it. And, uh, you know, there's, <laughs> you, you, you thought that, uh, or at least I thought it would lead to some pretty quick answers, but, uh, I think, uh, those who in the UFO research field know better, it's only led to what seems like more questions and, and, and more open cans of worms and stuff, but it's, it's a perfect segue from the author of that, uh, New York times article, at least one of the three, Leslie Keene and Ryan, you've had some incredible guests on your podcast recently. Um, I really enjoyed the one that you had, uh, with Leslie Keene herself and Diana Walsh Pasolka. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, that was, uh, I, I don't know how that came to be, um, but it happened. And I was super excited. I'd never had Leslie Kane on my show before. And again, for those who aren't really in the UFO know, she's kind of a superstar in our field. She is the one who uh, has written for the New York Times many, many times about UFOs. Uh, she wrote a New York Times bestselling book about UFOs, where she interviewed government officials and military people and commercial pilots about their own UFOs. UFO sightings in their own words. So this is the woman who literally broke one of the biggest stories ever about yeah. UFOs. Now, has so, had she been writing about UFOs before this whole thing came out? Or was this something that since she broke the story, she's been following up on? No, she's been researching the UFO topic for decades. Oh, I mean, cool. if you um, if you go back and look at her early work, she le- worked a lot with uh, with Bud Hopkins, the famed alien abduction researcher. Of course, mm-hmm. uh, missing time. And- 
Missing time. Exactly, man. I mean, she was a big part of that early work looking into that topic. And uh, yeah, she she's one of those researchers who really just put her head down and did the work. She wasn't looking for fame or to be on TV or write a million books. Uh, when UFO facts came to her, she wrote them because those are, you know, facts are facts. You can't really argue it at that point. So she's, again, just one of the most amazing people in the field. And then Diana Walsh Pasolka is another one who, within the past couple of years, uh, came out of nowhere and wrote this amazing book called American Cosmic, yeah. where uh, she spent some time with people in the aerospace industry and uh, members of what we we sort of coined the invisible college. Now, these are scientists in um, every facet you can think of, whether it's the hard sciences, uh, sciences or the soft sciences, um, investigating UFOs kind of in the shadows. You know, this topic is still has a stigma behind it when it comes to the scientific community. So these are um, people who are looking into the topic, have investigated it, have found some really compelling evidence. And Diana put them in a book. And so we now know about these people. And she also is a, a uh, professor of religious studies. In yeah, North which Carolina. is incredible. You know, one right. of the, one of the opening sentences of the blurb of her book, American Cosmic reads more than half of American adults and more than 75% of young Americans believe in intelligent extraterrestrial life. This level of belief rivals that of belief in God. So I thought that was so crazy. There seems to be some sort of maybe paradigm shift in, in, in people's, you know, uh, belief systems. Oh, absolutely, man. I mean, this is the basis for what could become a new religion. Mm. I mean, we've looked at UFOs in the past. You look at stuff like Heaven's Gate cult um, and other sort of religious movements that stemmed from UFOs. <laughs> you look at the big one, Scientology, yeah. it's straight up just UFO related. Yeah. Um, so whether also, it's good or bad. to be uh, fair, yeah. they've done a lot of good things for John Travolta's career. Yeah, that's true. This is true. This is very so true. So they're not we all bad. We Yep. We did get Look Who's Talking too, so. And Battlefield Earth. Let's not forget. You're right. You're right. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it's been really interesting to um, to look at the the connections between the work Leslie Kane has done and Diana Walsh-Pasolka and get them together. They, they've never yeah. actually um, done anything together, whether it's articles, books or anything. And uh, it was it was fascinating. I, I was honored to get them together in a digital room and just have them hash it out. It was you an know, incredible yeah. interview. And, and I rec I highly recommend anybody listening to this to go to, to Ryan's podcast and and find that episode. It's one of his recent ones. And, and listen, it's it's really an incredible one. Well, thanks, Bryce. I appreciate that, man. It was all my honor, and uh, I hope people will take something from it for sure. So, what did you come away with from that uh, from that interview from those two uh, people who are exploring this UFO topic from from their perspective? I mean, I, I I was really fascinated in sort of their their parallels into you know uh, people's spiritual beliefs with angels and demons and the UFO discussion and aliens and how it all sort of melts together. But uh, yeah, you know what 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 did you, what did you take away from that interview, Ryan? Well, one of the big things that kind of surprised me is exactly what you mentioned, Bryce, was this idea of a religion seeping into uh, how we investigate and look at UFOs. I mean, of course, we can look at it um, many, many different ways, but both Leslie and Diana agreed that the people investigating UFOs within the Defense Department or uh, even the CIA got involved, members of these these 
people looking at it, they have their own belief systems, you know, mm-hmm. so that's definitely going to bleed into their work. So they did start looking at it from either a demonic or angelic angle. If these people were, you know, fundamental Christians or, or, or Buddhist or whatever religion you may have, um, it definitely will paint your perception of these phenomena. So I found that fascinating that even at a governmental level, uh, we have people's beliefs in either God or gods um, affecting the work that they're doing. So you try to keep that separate, but you just can't because UFOs at the end of the day are a belief system. We we have the the nuts and bolts side of it where, yes, we're seeing physical craft or possibly occupants, but then you have this whole other baggage to it that comes with religion. So I found that fascinating that both of them, the people they've talked to, whether it's in the aerospace industry or science or uh, the government, uh, how their beliefs affect the work moving forward. So again, it's a sociological and cultural ex- experiment uh, before our very eyes. So you know, yeah, you know, if if the Pentagon could start a program where they train suburban pastors on how to locate, track, and defeat alien invaders and UFOs, I I think I'd be able. I I would be able. I'd be willing to come back to the Presbyterian Church. That's that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I mean, I think. If you want to make Christianity exciting for the 21st century, this is the way to do it. Yeah, oh, absolutely, man. I mean, who's to say the Vatican isn't behind all of this and they're uh, just doing a rebranding, as it were? Who knows? But <laughs> well, what's, who so knows? what's the idea That's here so about about angels and demons and aliens? Is, is it the idea that extraterrestrial uh, phenomenon is what's behind sort of angels and demons or that angels and demons are the ufos and aliens themselves what's Mm. what are we talking about here i think a little of both and i know that's a passive answer but i mean you look at something like the ancient alien theory i I recently spoke to uh a guy named rami romani who's a uh, egyptologist and i flat out asked him this is a dude who contributes to the ancient aliens television show uh, for the past like 18 seasons or whatever they've done and um i asked him straight up i'm like as an Egyptologist, when you're looking at this topic, do you really think that aliens built the pyramids? And um, he had a really good answer. He's like, look, there are a lot of misnomers or misconceptions when it comes to the ancient alien theory. What I'm here to say is that the Egyptians, when they built the pyramids, they were getting messages from a divine inspiration mm. and to tell them to build these structures and this, that, this, that. So it's like, so if you're talking about something non-human or not from this plane, this earthly plane, in essence, it could be what we consider extraterrestrial or alien. So not flat out little gray men came down and helped them build the pyramids, but we can we find it so hard to separate religion from this topic. So well, um, and especially when it comes to the pyramids, I mean, those lined up with the star literal stars in the sky. Those pyramids were like, weren't they all part of the like Sirius constellation? Like, weren't yep. they supposed to line up exactly with like Orion's belt or something? I mean, I'm, yeah, that's Robert I can't Temple's remember work, all this I stuff, think, or but... something, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. You guys are on you're on the nose with that. Yeah. I mean, the way that these things were built and positioned is just the mathematics alone uh, and the geography and uh, everything involved is just astounding. And I don't think we can strip these cultures of that. Um, You know, you can get a lot more done when you don't have Candy Crush to distract you. (laughs) 
That's a good point, man. Could you imagine if we threw an iPhone back in the ancient Egyptian times? We probably would be nowhere. Oh, we right wouldn't there. make it to the Dark Ages. Nope, absolutely not. <laughs> Listen, I, think, I think mankind has been in contact. And when I say in contact, I don't you know, necessarily mean in a, in a nuts and bolts sense. But I think mankind has been in contact with these these higher intelligences or divine intelligence intelligences, however you want to coin that for, for thousands and thousands of years, not only back in, in Egypt's time, but during the Renaissance and, and even here and now today. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it's, it's amazing how long this topic of UFOs has just been a part of our, our culture. And, um, what, what fascinates me most is how ridiculed it still is up until today. So now that you have this new side of it, this angle from the Pentagon, that this could be possibly be a threat to our skies. Uh, now we're going on a completely different side of it. Yeah. We're talking nuts and bolts craft interfering with our pilots and, uh, could cause national security damage so it's again ufos just they blow my mind every day i wake up i'm like what's gonna happen today so keeps me going so what's happened since uh this article came out the pentagon said uh yes we've been studying uh uh what they called uaps right unidentified aerial phenomenon um that's kind of the new term for ufos i guess um now i remember like Around this time last year, the Navy came out, and they're like, yeah, we've seen stuff, too. We keep hearing about this Tic Tac UFO or Tic Tac craft. Like, has the Navy come straight out and said, uh, yes, aliens exist? No. No, but that's that's the Navy. I mean, they're never going to have a strong stance on on that, in my opinion. But what they have said and what they're um, you know, the people involved with this Tic Tac event have said is we have absolutely no idea what else this could be. Mm -hmm. I mean, these Tic Tac craft that these people witnessed. I mean, I personally spoke to the the radar operator during this event you're referring to, the Tic Tac UFO of 2004 uh, on the Nimitz carrier for the Navy. Uh, this dude said on his radar, it was literally raining UFOs. These things were just coming in as a fleet um, during a training exercise Whoa. that the Navy was doing. How big are, so, how big are know, these crafts supposed to be? The Like this Tic Tac? They, why do they call it a Tic Tac craft? It's literally shaped like a tic-tac, tic this oblong-shaped white craft, no wings, no sign of propulsion, just floating over the water. The and, spearmint you know, one, not, not the orange one that was, you like. Not the, exactly. I like the Simpsons flavor. Yeah, no, ones that, that are, ain't happening. Just bright yellow. <laughs> uh -huh. Yes. Yeah, so imagine the spearmint one just right. floating midair. But and not I mean, the size of a tic-tac. I mean, no, no, I'm no. I'm asking really dumb questions here, but like they're 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 what the size of a of a of a Prius? What are we talking about? Yeah, I'm gonna go with probably a Prius or so. At least that's what the pilots have said. I mean, these things they weren't motherships of any kind, but right. they were definitely rivaled the size of our our fighter jets up there, and they're dropping right to the water and then going up, you know, thousands and thousands of feet. Uh, excuse me, thousands of feet within seconds. And so, are, I mean, are, are they're, they're not trying to like attack this naval cruiser. They're just showing off. Yeah. I mean, they did not have any sort of weaponry that we, uh, we've surmised from what the Navy pilots and, and witnesses have told us. But, um, I mean, 
that alone, the fact that they're just there and doing these maneuvers, it really depends on how the pilot is going to react. That's where the real danger could mm-hmm. come in. Is it going to fire at this thing? Is it going to try to chase it and run out of fuel? I mean, we have cases in the past where pilots have tried to chase a UFO, run out of fuel, crash in the ocean, and we never see these pilots again. Mm. This is documented stuff. So um, I, I do think the threat aspect when it comes to these UFOs actually has a lot more to do with us than what we're actually looking at. You mean the threat to ourselves in terms of how we react to these things? Absolutely. These guys said, you know, if if things got more hairy during this 2004 event, we could have started another war. It, it really depends on what the UFO was, why it was there and how we react to it. You know, that's a perfect segue for me, uh, extraterrestrial war into into the next uh, person of interest I'd like to talk about. And I want to play something for you both here. Uh, listen close. I'm going to play it over my phone and, and through the microphone. Let me know what you guys think. Oh Oh, what was that? Oh, hold on, here we go. Here Skip we go. Skip those ads. What's happening here? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> the question is often asked when will UFO disclosure happen? These lights, they keep coming together? The answer is it has. The New York Times revealed the existence of a secret government program to investigate UFO sites. It's a very complicated story. I have put a briefing together for every president since Bill Clinton. <laughs> Interplanetary war. This is the next big thing that they want the public to be afraid of. This is a national security imperative. We must have American dominance in space. But it's all a lie. The national security state. They want to establish a planetary government by spinning that this is a threat. One set of facts, two narratives. Are we just doing free advertising for documentaries now? Yeah, it's almost over. Close encounters of the fifth kind protocols developed by Dr. Greer. The most dangerous information he has released to the public. Human initiated communication with extraterrestrials is possible. All of us are going to know the truth. This is our moment. We have the ability to change life for the better. Consciousness isn't limited by space and time. What I'm doing with CE5 is the foundation for the relationship between humans and these extraterrestrials. The implications are absolutely profound. That shows consciousness does affect reality. A critical mass of people can shift an entire civilization. But the intelligence community don't want the public to know. They say, what's in it for me? It's easy. A new world, if you can take it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Michael's shaking his head. He's like, what are you doing? But uh, hey, man, can't leave Stephen Greer out of the conversation. No, you cannot. (laughs) That was a trailer for his new movie, CE5, Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind, uh, out for digital release in April. Yeah, I just want to say for the record, we're not uh, officially promoting this documentary. (laughs) No, but you know what? It's it's, it's definitely – it brings into so many things we were just talking about, like – portraying this as an alien threat uh talking about consciousness and 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 also talking about how to communicate with these 
uh, quote unquote, extraterrestrial com- uh, entities. Mm-hmm. What, do, what do you think? Uh, where, where's Stephen Greer at in this UFO conversation today? Well, first of all, who is Stephen Greer? I think would be for people. We just have to assume our listeners know who Stephen does, Greer not is. Not everybody by now. does. So, uh, Ryan, why don't you give us just a little bit of a background on Stephen Greer, and then uh, yeah, because we've this. only done a hundred plus episodes, but not everybody's <laughs> yeah, right. listening to the whole backlog, dude. <laughs> <laughs> so Stephen Greer, Greer is a uh, professional wrestler. No, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I awesome. mean, the dude's jacked. We can't get past that fact. He's a he's a big guy. He is um, ripped. Yeah. That being said, uh, what I know of Stephen Greer is what a lot of people out there know him mostly for is he put together this thing called the Disclosure Project really early on. I'd say the mid 90s or so where he brought together uh, government officials, people in the military and brought them to the National Press Club in Washington and had them talk about UFOs. And this was huge. This was probably as big as the New York Times article, if not bigger. Yeah. So. I mean, we do have him to thank for that, but um, this is what happens in the UFO world when someone gets so big, so quick, and this is the same in Hollywood, um, then it all starts to unravel, and (laughs) you got to constantly one-up yourself. So now we have a guy who put together this amazing thing, this amazing um, thing at the National Press Club, and now he's out charging thousands of dollars in the middle of the woods to shine flashlights up and uh, vector in UFOs. Have you ever done anything like that? Because, I mean, some people have reported, you know, I I mean, at least a couple people I've talked to, uh, they've reported, you know, some good success on those type of ventures out there in the field and and seeing things at night. What, What is your take on all that? I can't strip away from people's personal experiences. If they experienced that, I, I was not there, so I can't judge that. Um, so when it comes to something like that, the CE5, as he calls it, like a close encounter of the fifth kind, mm. I'm assuming, this is contact with human-initiated contact, yeah. Right, right. Um, that's tough. That's tough. I've never personally had that experience. I've had a lot of people come to me and say they have initiated contact with these extraterrestrial beings. So, um, again, you know, I have I have my personal thoughts on Stephen Greer and the way his work has gone and what he's promoting in terms of, um, you know, an alien invasion of sorts. But uh, <laughs> yeah, he's a controversial character. You, you know, yes, yeah, that's sort you of a, oh, go shake ahead. things up. Uh, do you mind sharing some of those opinions? Because I think that I think that one of the things and what we're going to get into a little bit later in this episode is. You know, people who are interested in this stuff, including me, there's so much, there's so many personalities out there. There's so many takes and so many people saying, I know what's going on with this phenomenon that I think it's hard sometimes for people to find a way in and know who to pay attention to and listen to, you know, because for me, uh, you know, I watched the unacknowledged uh, document documentary that he did a couple of years ago on Netflix, and there's lots of really fascinating stuff in that. But then it always takes a turn where it kind of suddenly veers into this the new gover- world order, free new energy, world order. Mm-hmm. The government's out to get you. You know, there's clips of Alex Jones and I and like the World Trade Center conspiracy stuff. And then I I'm like, okay, I feel like I've been suckered into a very like alt right or far right conspiracy theory. You know, I kind of came for the UFOs and now I'm getting pulled into this narrative <laughs> that I think is more harmful than 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 good. That's my opinion and you know, I'm just shaking my head because when Bryce uh 
was playing this documentary, I've like I'm like I'm being very tempted here <laughs> to get yeah. on my, and so I'm going to avoid that. But I'm interested in what your opinion is because you're somebody who is steeped in this world far more than that certainly than I am. I think definitely more than Bryce is. Oh yeah, um, but. Yeah, so if if you don't mind opening up and sharing your opinion, um, what's your take on on that? Yeah, I mean, here's where I land in terms of these, I guess you could call them UFO celebrities. Uh, they have been given a platform to reach a lot of people. I mean, there's no arguing Stephen Greer's work gets out to the mainstream like – unlike any actual UFO researcher ever truly could. And that's a sign of good business. <laughs> so, I mean, as a businessman, he knows what he's doing. But, what, like, I agree with you, Mike. I think there are bits and pieces you can take from every everything you hear about UFOs and uh, form your own opinion. Mm-hmm. I, I don't – if somebody's telling you, you know – I have the answer to UFOs, and if you watch my show or my documentary or you pay this much to go out and vector in a UFO, uh, that's where I say run. Run for the hills because it's very clear what the motives are behind that. That being said, again, Stephen Greer has done some incredible work, and he paved the way for a lot of us to be able to talk to military officials about this stuff. Um, So, yeah. We we live in an age now in 2020 where there have been congressional hearings with um, senators and congressional members about UFOs and the Navy talking to these people. So that's amazing. And we can't we can't deny that Stephen Greer had an early um, influence on that happening. So, well, and isn't even yeah. the, the UFO documentary like pizza, even the bad ones are still pretty good. Like, I, yes, I. <laughs> Yeah, but I, I just think you have to be careful. You know, there's a lot of sensationalism out there, and there's a lot of, like, again, look, I've said this repeatedly with this show. I love the stories. I do. And, 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 Obviously, I'm someone who leans more into the believe it than bullshit category on most of this stuff. But it's yeah. when it's when things start telling you to get scared mm. that I have a real fucking problem with it. You know what I mean? Yeah, because absolutely. who's the authority there to tell me what the hell's really going on? These people, nobody because re- I keep coming back down in an agnostic point of view where I'm like nobody really knows what's happening with this. Stuff. I think all three of us agree with that yeah. sentiment. Yeah. So yeah. I, I, no, and anybody who says they do know, like again, that's where I say run, run as fast as you can. Because it's like, yeah, yeah, the government doesn't know, uh, the military doesn't know, and the public doesn't know. So that's that's it in a nutshell. That's what UFOs are. They continue to be unidentified, and uh, they continue to mystify us up until today. Well, let's shift gears a little bit. Another great guest that you also had on Somewhere in the Skies is MJ Banyas. Am I saying his last name right? I believe it's Banias. I, I could be wrong on that. But, right. Um, well, this he yeah. is the uh, he is the blogger of Terra Obscura and a, and a, a journalist par excellence. But that was another incredible. Uh, episode, and I believe he, you guys were the focus of your conversation was none other than Skinwalker Ranch. Is that right? Mm, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I recently had MJ on to talk about uh, going there. He's one of the first people since uh, Skinwalker Ranch. For any of your listeners who don't know, I know you've talked about this specifically on your show. Yeah. Um, this place in Utah where a ton of paranormal stuff has happened UFOs, cryptids, supernatural, um, everything you can possibly think of happening on. 
this one ranch. And um, to sort of tie it back, Bryce, to um, to the Pentagon secret Pentagon UFO program, we now know for a fact mm. that most of the money allotted to this Pentagon program went to studying Skinwalker Ranch, which That's is right. insane. It Absolutely. is. It all sort of circles back to uh, – it, it, it's crazy when you the more you start to research this stuff you start to you know go around in circles and see somehow it's all connected to these uh to these big articles and these big stories and players that we've been talking about for so long right right and i mean mj working for uh vice news he was able to get to the new owner of the ranch the ranch was sold after uh robert bigelow the yeah. billionaire uh bought the ranch studied it uh came out on the other side being extremely mystified by what things that happened there um and then eventually selling the ranch and now the new owner uh the first person he's let onto this ranch to sort of cover what's now going on was mj benias so uh, i thought it was a fascinating interview um if anyone wants to check that out it was a few episodes ago on somewhere in the skies but we do get the inside look of what is now happening at skinwalker Ranch. yeah go check out that episode and i'm looking at mj's vice article right now and he actually gets a quote from the new owner of the ranch, and I want to read it now. You know, facing the reality of our mortality is sobering. The anomalies at Skinwalker Ranch, the things that have been reported there over decades, if not hundreds of years, they seem to attest to the fact that we live in a strange universe. Perhaps we're not alone, he said. Salt Lake City disappeared into the distance. Oh, uh, perhaps there's more than meets the eye. The nature of our existence, our physical reality, is much more complex. The nature of our consciousness and our place in the cosmos. It's funny to think that people are still asking the same questions that our species had been asking for thousands of years. I think the opportunity to take a living laboratory like the ranch, a place that seems to be the center of gravity of so much of the unexplained, is a unique experience. And I just love that quote because I don't know about you guys, but I think where all this is headed is is consciousness. And I think mm-hmm. that's the, the the new key player in this game. What, what's your take on what the, uh, the new owner of Skinwalker Ranch is saying there? I think you're right, Bryce. And um, I, I come from sort of a very nuts and bolts background when it comes to ufology. Like, I want to see that craft. I want trace evidence. But, um, you know, this I released an episode, another episode with Leslie Kane recently about another book she wrote about uh, past lives and the afterlife. And you're talking about surviving death. Yes. Yeah, incredible we, read. Yeah. It really is. And it's not a topic I ever thought I would cover on a UFO podcast, but I do find it starting to really bleed over this idea that what is consciousness? Can it be separated from the body um, once we die and move on to another shell, as it were, or another plane? Um, again, this is stuff that was far beyond you know my grasp of reality and something I never really looked into until uh, I had the person who wrote the New York Times bestselling book on UFOs and now another book about consciousness. Wow. Um, connecting them. So when it comes to that quote in the Skinwalker Ranch article and the work I see some of the most credible journalists out there tapping into, I can't deny that there is a huge consciousness aspect to UFOs. Could it be that this is the only way we do get that CE5, as Stephen Greer talks about, and contact with these other beings? You know, maybe we can't communicate with them on a a vocal or auditory level, but maybe consciousness is the only way we're ever going to figure out what the hell's going on in our skies? I don't, I, I don't know. I mean, do you ever feel that? I mean, being a UFO researcher for so long, you get the idea that we've been talking about 
nuts and bolts crafts ad infinitum. And, and it's just like we've we've explored all the cases. And where does this topic go next, you know? And, and how do we keep moving it forward to get I mean, because what's the end goal here when we're when we're researching this stuff? It's to it's to really find out, you know, what's taking place? You know, who are these entities? Where do they come from? You know, what is the nature of reality? I mean, isn't the goal of doing this research to try and try and get to some answers? Oh, absolutely. I mean, we all want answers. And it, it always, you know, it's very sobering when someone like the late Stanton Friedman, one of the, uh, you know, longest running UFO investigators ever, um, passed away recently. And that that really that hit me. Uh, and it it was really unexpected. I thought this guy investigated UFOs for half a century of his life. Yeah. And, um, you know, the fact that he he went to the grave not getting the answers he probably wanted in life. We can only hope that he's getting them now in whatever comes next. So that that's a really profound thing that I came across is, you know what? Maybe within our lifetimes, we're not going to know what UFOs truly represent, who's behind them, what their motivations are. But maybe, just maybe, whatever comes next, uh, we will find those answers. So I do see the research heading into a very different way that it, that it has in the past. And um, consciousness seems to be a really big aspect of that. I mean, you look at the work of Jacques Vallée mm-hmm. or um, even uh, Carl Jung early on in his research into UFOs is this idea that we are a bigger part of this and a bigger participant than just seeing something in the sky. Um, a lot of work is now being done is how much of this do we actually create um, in our own minds, our own consciousness? Are we manifesting UFO phenomena? Um, so yeah, yeah, it's fascinating. It's a, uh, a side of all this that I'm just starting to scratch the surface of, but I honestly do think there is something to it. And, uh, I'm going to keep looking, man. Cause Hey, I haven't found any nuts and bolts answers yet. So. No, but hats off to you, man. I think you're doing more than scratching the surface. I think these long form interviews with these, you know, these wonderful researchers like MJ Bonius and, and Leslie Keen and, and the people that you're able to talk to, they can really bring the discussion to another level than just having, you know, reading a book or reading a, an article. It, I, th- I think it's very informative and, and I think it can move the topic forward with, uh, with what everybody's doing in podcasts. So hats off, man. Oh, thank you. And I, I think it's very important to challenge ourselves. So if we're stuck in this echo chamber, just like any community or subculture of just talking to one another about the same damn thing over and over, uh, let's open it up and let's get other people involved and ask new questions. So yeah, I, I, I appreciate that, Bryce. And I think that's what you guys do uh, as well on your show is you you theorize and you go you go there. You're not just, you know, you're not just saying a ghost is a ghost or a Bigfoot is a, a, a cryptid, you know, a, a missing link. You're going to what is the next question after that? Mm. So. Actually, we do think ghosts are ghosts. We prove that ghosts exist on this show. So that's that's a <laughs> oh. that's a BCC fact. Ghosts, ghosts are real. Um, all right. We're going to move on to the next half of the show. But before we do, speaking of questions, you know there's a game we like to play with our guests on the show, Ryan. And you've played an earlier version of this, but the list has been updated. This is a rapid-fire game. We're going to go down a list of phenomenon. And if you believe in it, you're going to say believe it. If you don't, you're going to say bullshit. You got it? You, you got it, man. Right. I'm sure my answers have changed since then. All right. So let's do this. Here we go. Uh, on your mark, get set, Ghosts. Believe it. UFOs. Believe it. Bigfoot. Believe it. Alien greys. Believe it. Out-of-body experiences. 
Believe it. Demonic possession. Bullshit. The Bermuda Triangle. Believe it. Alien abductions. Believe it. Loch Ness Monster. Believe it. Time travel. Believe it. Mothman. Believe it. Reincarnation. Believe it. ESP. Believe it. Haunted houses. You're doing great. Believe it. (laughs) The Illuminati. Bullshit. There's a face on Mars. Believe it. Skunk ape. Believe it. Heaven. Believe it. Hell. Bullshit. Sea serpents. Ooh, that's a new one. Uh, Believe it. Poltergeist. Believe it. Chupacabra. Believe it. Atlantis. Ooh, I forget what my answer was for that one originally. Um, I'm going to say bullshit. Life on other planets. Believe it. Parallel dimensions. Believe it. The apocalypse. Don't want to believe it. Life after death. Believe it. Nice job. Yeah, well done. Hey, we gotta <laughs> we gotta say because I think it's our first believe it we've gotten. Um, uh, there's a face on Mars. Most people say yeah. what or bullshit to that. So megalithic structures on Mars, man. Do you think that there was a there was an intelligent life on Mars before it all went to hell? I guess. That's a really good question. When when I said believe it for that one, Mike, I'm for me, you know, there is the whole thing of pareidolia and everything. But um, yeah, there, yeah what's I mean, that word? Pareidolia. What? It's when you're when when you see things out oh. of uh, regular mundane objects or oh, images, nice. right? Good. Isn't that I, right? That's something. Yeah, I, yeah. I need and, to and know. It, it can influence your uh, it can influence your perception of what you're looking at. If you know a million people are saying there's a face on Mars, look, and you see it, like you know that doesn't. It's very subjective. So for me, yeah, I saw a face on Mars when I saw those photos. What sure. what it is or who put it there or is it a natural occurrence? I, I can't tell you, but nice. I saw a face on Mars there. So um, in terms of life, um, yeah, I think yeah, there definitely was some sort of life on Mars at one point. And one point maybe there still is i had an image of chupacabra when ryan said believe it going yes yeah i think you said <laughs> bullshit last time so i'm excited to say believe it now um why the change of mind i well, guess we must have listened to our episode about chupacabra yeah. with tom lank yep i did i listened to every episode uh, but not only that i also um my beliefs have changed a lot in the past year and a half or so since i last talked to you guys um, how so ryan i i just again i think it really comes down to empathy and understanding you know we live in a world where no one listens to each other anymore so i've really come to a point in my own show where instead of really preparing a point-by-point interview i just want to have a discussion and something like talking to leslie kane about the afterlife um i i went in just being like all right uh, let me open my eyes and mind and heart to this and let's see where it goes. And I had like a paradigm shifting moment. Death is something I never wanted to tackle. Um, a lot of us fear even talking about it. And I came out on the other side more hopeful than ever that, you know, 
death is just the beginning of something greater. Love so, that. I mean, my it my mind has just been blown in the past year and a half or so since I last talked to you guys. Um, and whether or not I might have to have you guys rein me in every now and again because I don't want to go too far off the deep end. Don't look end. at us. You're don't right in the sweet spot. Look to us. You're We're, golden. Okay. That's when I want. That's when the conversation <laughs> begins for me. Is when someone's going out there. I'm always trying to get Bryce to get a little weirder with me, and sometimes yeah. he just drops it on me. And uh, it's a a wonderful surprise. Um, All right. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to have more on UFOs with Ryan Sprague. All right. We're back from that break. Great break. Good break. Really good break. So, Ryan, uh, I've been wanting to have a point by point discussion no just kidding i want to have like a uh, a conversation with you uh because you are the person that i probably know that knows the most about this stuff and you know we've done over 100 episodes now and i realize that every now and then like the first half of this episode might leave people a little bit in the dark as to exactly like what are they talking about you know what i mean mm-hmm. obviously we've brought up Yes, we've brought up Stephen Greer. We've brought up the uh, ATIP program. We've brought up, um, you know, we've talked at length about uh, uh, Skinwalker Ranch. But I thought, who better to ask what, uh, where to begin? A UFO primer for dummies, or if you're, if you know, if you're a 15 year old kid listening to this episode mm-hmm. and you're like, I want to get into this stuff, where do I start? Because there is so much bullshit out there but there's also like bryce pointed out there even in the bad stuff when it comes to ufos there's really great things to there's 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 chunks of good pepperoni you can take out of yeah. that pizza so <laughs> i guess what i want to ask you um what i want to get into is like a ufo one ufos 101 and i think uh, let's start by asking uh piggybacking off our conversation in the first half of the show so we have the pentagon we have the navy what other branches of the government or military have come out and said uh we have seen phenomenon in the skies that we do not understand I mean, let's go with the Air Force first and foremost. That should be the most uh, obvious one. But, I mean, we look at uh, Project Blue Book. I'm sure your audience has at least heard of this. Um, This was an official study by the Air Force in investigating UFOs. Back, you know, during the 40s, 50s, we had the famous Roswell UFO crash of 1947. Uh, We had the first ever report of flying saucers in 1947 as well by a man named Kenneth Arnold who was flying over the Cascade Mountains and saw nine crescent-shaped craft fly past him. And uh, he said that the maneuvers were like uh, saucers skipping off of water, and that's where the term flying saucer actually came from. They were actually boomerang-shaped or more crescent moon-shaped, like you said, and and, uh, or maybe you said that I didn't, uh, but uh, they weren't actually the shape of flying saucers or saucers. Batman's old boomerang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, but, the battering, yeah, but exactly. Kenneth, but Kenneth Arnold wasn't uh, military. He was a traveling salesman flying a private plane. So in terms of right. the government itself and what they know, yeah. they've how much have they disclosed? So Project Blue Book ran for a pretty long time, if you're talking about UFO investigations. So the or the Air Force's final conclusion after Project 
Blue Book closed and they investigated thousands of UFO cases, uh, 701 cases remained unexplained. Wow. That's huge. That's absolutely staggering numbers of unidentified objects or aerial phenomena still not being solved. Yeah. So when it comes to the Air Force, they they decided, look, there's always going to be anomalies in the sky. No, we can't explain every one of them. Um, could it be aliens? Maybe. But we don't see that. We don't have evidence of that. And we're no longer going to investigate that because it doesn't seem to be a threat to us. Um then you find out the Pentagon certainly thinks it's a threat, and they're still investigating UFOs up until today. Um, so that's that's a, a way to sort of look at it, um, the, the origin of Project Blue Book and the Air Force's look into this, I think. You know, what it sounds like to me is that they just closed the curtains on it a little bit. They were like, okay, I think we're done doing this out in the open. Let's let's move this to uh, some darker corners. of uh, let, let, Let's keep some of this information to ourselves that... until we get a handle on what this is. Yeah. That right. and probably funding. You know, administrations change, people yeah. switch over, and at some point, I am assuming when Jay Allen Hynek was closing a Project Blue Book, there had to be somebody up the chain of command that said, "We're spending money on what? You know what I mean? We're in the middle of the Cold War. <laughs> yeah. we're, we're in Vietnam. Let's let's shut this down and reallocate our resources to something else." You know, because I the other thing is, uh, like, what is there still a stigma around? People who see UFOs, Ryan, or uh, claim to see I'm UFOs? I, I'm sure it still exists in some form, but we are at a point now where even the Navy uh, in 2020 now has a new protocol of reporting UFOs. So, I mean, that's huge. This this comes from a branch of our military that once said, that's, you know, don't report it. It's not worth it. This, that, like, it's not worth the stigma or the ridicule you're going to get. And we also don't want to, uh, we don't want the public to be scared. You know, we are in control of our skies here in America. That's what the Air Force tells us. That's what the Army tells us, the Navy, what have you. Um, so if we had pilots or military people saying, whoa, UFOs are up there and we don't know what's going on, uh, that's a problem. So, so we have to look at it as, wow. Now, in 2020, the Navy, the first branch of the military to come forward and say, uh, we are reporting UFOs at a staggering amount and we don't know what they are. That's huge. That's a huge admittance by one of our military branches. So where do we go from there? I don't know. And that's big because what, since Project Blue Book and, be, you know, for the past 30 years, they've just been quiet about it or denied the existence of this stuff? I think both. I think Bryce is right that the work continues, uh, not in the public eye. Project Blue Book was a very big publicity stunt, I would say. Um, J. Allen Hynek, a famous astronomer, was hired to debunk all the UFO cases that he could to show the public, don't worry about this, military's got it under control, and um, just go about your lives. When in reality, this debunker turned into a uh, acceptor that UFOs exist. I have absolutely no idea what they are. And then he went on to form his own UFO investigation group. So Yeah, that's right. It's insane. Like the guy sent in to say UFOs are bullshit came out on the other side saying, oh, my God, like 
this is crazy, and I can't explain it, and neither can my colleagues. So, by the way, uh, the Bryce is right is the name of my new favorite paranormal game show. <laughs> the Bryce, I is like right. that. I <laughs> Come like on that. Down. So, what did Alan when, when uh, Heineck's been dead now for a number of years? I would imagine, yes, decades now. Yeah. He passed away. Do we know? I mean, someone knows when he died. Let me look it up. Um, do we know where he ended? Like. What was when he? <laughs> well, Ryan just said he became out, you know, and and I've I've read his biography. He came out a believer that there was more to this stuff than just swamp gas. And in fact, right. in fact, you know, he's the one that sort of coined that whole swamp gas. And it it's something that he was a li- that he was a little embarrassed about later on. You know, he's like yeah. all this stuff can't be just weather balloons or or Venus or swamp gas. You know, look, like Ryan said, seven hundred cases that are unexplained. All you need is one. You know, and to 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 push this thing into okay, it's it, this is something that we don't know, but to have that amount of cases is is, is extraordinary. Um, and you know, Jacques Vallée, the famed uh, ufologist who, whose work I think we all admire, uh, he was working right under uh, Jay Allen and Hynek, and it was through those caseloads where he started to come up with his own theory, uh, known as uh, the the IDH, interdimensional uh, hypothesis, where he thought these. He thought these cases were so strange and represented so much religiosity and and a time and a place and a culture that it couldn't be coming from some planet out there. Something was happening um, either in another dimension or something was happening terrestrial on this earth. Uh, something was manipulating or um, you know pushing society towards something. You, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a really good point, Bryce. Um, you know, Valet has his own thoughts and theories on all of this. When it comes to Heineck, I mean, I had his son on the podcast a few weeks ago, and I did ask him that very question. Like, well, okay, where did your father land at the end of his life with all this? And he did say, um, my father never considered himself a believer, um, but as an acceptor. And I think that's all we can really ask for from an astronomer, someone who based his entire life on the scientific method. And when he came out on the other side being like, everything I once thought I knew, the way our scientific method was uh, came to be and, um, and, and all that, uh, I can honestly say that Whatever these phenomena are, they break our method into tiny little pieces. So mm. um, that that really stuck out to me. So um, I, I think it's it's fascinating the work Valet has done and how he looks at all this as well as interdimensional or um, you know even us from the future. This is another thing theory coming from a few um, you know anthropologists and um, historians and scientists and futurists right now is this idea, could this all be us coming back to warn us of something or to uh, to send us a message? Um, yeah, it's, always, it's cool. I always vibe cool with theory. that, like the, the little gray alien, like with the big heads and the small mouths and the, I was like, yeah, that could be us. I mean, smarter, bigger brains, eating less. You know, less physical activity. Less physical activity, yep. more, you know, more mind exercise, a lot of mind Just games. Just like really bad Nintendo phone. <laughs> um, right. <laughs> I like that uh, he called himself an acceptor and not a believer. Although I will say that um, bullshit or accept it doesn't have the same ring to it. So <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Um, yeah. So what are the different types of – so we have uh, – um, 
we have uh, Close Encounters of the First Kind, Second Kind, Third Kind, Fourth Kind, and now, I guess, Fifth Kind. So can you break down really quick what those all are? Because that's something that is mentioned a lot, but I don't think a lot of people necessarily know what the different um, types of contacts are. Yeah, and who, wasn't it, yeah. who coined that classification? Was that Heineck? I think it was Heineck. That was Heineck, yeah. Mm, Jay okay. and Heineck coined this, and um, eventually it got into the hands of a fan. Famous filmmaker, uh, Steven Spielberg. And that's why we have the movie Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Yep. And um, for any of your listeners who don't know, this guy we're talking about, J. Allen Hynek, who ran Project Blue Book or helped run it, uh, was featured in the movie Close Encounters of the Third Kind since the movie was literally based on his class. He's got a cameo at the mm-hmm. end when the mothership yeah. comes down. It's pretty awesome. He shows it's up. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, yeah, we got Close Encounters of the First Kind. We're talking just uh, seeing something in the sky, you know, whether it's a light or a solid craft. Uh, you moved a second close encounter and this is actually seeing some sort of uh you know possible occupant or intelligence behind what you're seeing uh third we're talking you know close close encounter where it's can't be argued there is something inside that craft and um perhaps the craft has landed and it's walked out and it's walked out Yep, exactly, man. And then we move to fourth, and that is um, in, I would say, an involuntary contact with these beings, whether it's in their craft in terms of an abduction mm-hmm. or just, uh, you know, chilling with these aliens. I don't know. And then we move to five, and that's us making the contact with these beings. Got so a, com- a communion of sorts. So it's it's pretty it's a pretty uh, convoluted and uh, very descriptive close encounter um, classification. I really only scratched the surface of it. But if you literally Google close encounter classification system, it gets deep and it gets very specific. And again, someone like Heine coming from a scientific background, I think that's awesome that we can actually look at these things uh, the way a astronomer or scientist woods. So. Yeah, why does Greer get to add to that classification with the with the five? We should come up with a six, us three, like, yeah. and then we'd be famous for it too. What, what would be a close encounter of a sixth when kind? We podcast with an alien. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we have to co-host it. He can't just be a guest. Like, okay, got it. And, and right, it's got to be on their planet. Yeah, <laughs> and it, yeah, and they call the shots. Yeah, um, see if we could schedule something. So, Heineck, you recommend people check out his work. I'm assuming Stanton Friedman. Who are some of the other people in the field that you, if I, you know, if I want to go to the library and check out a book, who do you recommend? Uh, definitely Jacques Vallée. Like Bryce mentioned, this dude is just like. An amazing guy. I mean, one of the the people who literally helped invent the internet in Silicon Valley wow. and um, computer scientist turned ufologist. Um, and, anything by him. And he's kind of like the idea, like Bryce said, that they come from another dimension where Stanton Friedman is more of the like, these are crafts coming from other planets through through inter, intergalactic or interstellar travel, correct? Correct. Yeah. And I mean, he to his dying day said these are aliens from another planet. So, Mm. I mean, that's that's I respect that someone has a firm stance and um, Seton Freeman definitely had that. So he's no slouch, too. He was like a nuclear physicist, wasn't he? Oh, yeah. I mean, brilliant. The people in the UFO field, I think a lot of people don't realize they're not all cranks and kooks and what and cult leaders or charlatans. There are legitimate people some of the most brilliant minds you can think of looking at this topic and to tie it back to Jacques Vallée, check out the book, invisible college. Again, yeah. 
these are the smartest people we have out there um, in every scientific field or academic field, secretly, I should say, or um, in the shadows investigating UFOs. So definitely check out Invisible College by Jacques Vallée. Um, you did mention American Cosmic by Diana Walsh Pasilka. Extremely in- interesting book. I definitely suggest people look at that. What about um, a Linda Moulton Howe? Her, I've always enjoyed her work. How, is, how does she compare? Yeah, I mean, when we're talking, um, you know, animal mutilations, Bryce, that's that thing we haven't touched on at all yes. in this conversation. Love those. Um, out in the San Luis Valley and whatnot. Um, <laughs> definitely check out her book, Strange Harvest, A Strange Harvest, I believe it's called. Um, I think it's a documentary as well. And um, going into that whole aspect to all this. Um, also, Linda Moulton Howe is is the one who was in possession of possible alien materials that were sold to uh, the army recently. Right. Whoa. So, I mean, we're talking like not only have UFOs possibly crashed on our planet, but we have some of the material from them and uh, she has it. And she now is working with Tom DeLong and to the stars Academy, um, which she, Tom DeLong runs. How'd she get this stuff? Same, same. How, how everybody gets some. Somebody listening to their show sends them something, right? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it's highly anomalous, whatever it is she has, and now it's being looked at by some of the top scientists in the world uh, with funding by the military. So that's interesting too. You know, what, let's you know, get our time, piece. If anybody's yeah. listening to this and you have anomalous material, send it to Michael McMillan and, and our PO box at Bigfoot uh, Collectors Club. Yeah. Do it. Do that. <laughs> Do that, please. Um, Guys, don't you are send me up any summer. anomalous materials. <laughs> Keep that yeah, in your don't. in your own home. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Ryan, uh, somebody I've wanted to ask you about because I've been, I guess, I want to say guilty in the past of being uh, of like watching his YouTube videos. I remember one conference in particular because he would show lots of like wild UFO footage. Is uh, Jaime Musan, and I've heard you say eh, maybe avoid this guy. Uh, can you tell explain to me why I should maybe ignore Jaime Musan moving forward? Well, and again, you and know, I'm putting I'm, you on the spot. I apologize. No, but. not at all, man. We have to be put on the spot or else, you know, where do we get? Um, no, Jaime Musan is one passionate UFO investigator. Um, it, it's actually it's an interesting cultural uh, perspective when it comes to how UFOs are treated. Um, I think in America we still have a stigma behind all this, but you go to somewhere like Mexico and this stuff is embraced mm-hmm. like nowhere else, which I think is amazing. So you have this guy, Jaime Musan, who um, is like literally a god in Mexico when it comes to UFOs. Not not he doesn't have a messiah complex, but this guy He's is, a UFO celebrity, like basically. He's a UFO celebrity, yeah, which is cool, I guess. Um it's yeah, it is what it is. And he brings forth a lot of UFO videos and um most of the stuff he brings forward though, I mean you immediately look at it and you're like, oh that's a balloon or mm-hmm. oh that's a reflection off of a bird. But to him and a bird wearing what sunglasses. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, to him, everything's a UFO. Everything's an alien. Um, so, I may have been He's harsh He's done a I lot say. of those ancient mummy stuff that's kind of very problematic yeah. and just turns out to be, you know, indigenous people who have been mummified thousands of years ago and aren't aliens. Yeah, you want a good story, tell your audience to look at the Roswell Slides debacle. We did that on the... Uh, we covered that on uh, the other side on our Patreon. We just recently oh, did that. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. So Hamima san, you know, love him or hate him, he's a big part of the UFO field and the history of it. And um, again, he, you know, sometimes he's got good stuff and sometimes not. But that's what UFO. That's what the UFO field is. You know, see what, what sticks. It's like when you say uh, everything's a UFO. There, I'm, I'm instantly reminded of the Bigfoot community. <laughs> you know, like researchers yeah. out of the field. Wait, you hear that? It's a Bigfoot. <laughs> yeah. You see that? You see that impression right there in the sand? That's a Bigfoot. um okay so this is a question i think for bryce um how do you discern a uh a legitimate like youtube video of a ufo and some some bullshit you know man i just i have to go i have to go no i'm seeing the answers for you this is a question uh, you're right. Oh. I said for Bryce. Yeah, you said meant, a question oh, for Bryce. <laughs> I meant I meant this is geared for Bryce to hear the answer. Oh, okay, to. okay. I want good. Bryce to learn how to tell the difference between a real, <laughs> a legitimate eyewitness video. Michael's still mad. I I played all of Stephen Greer's promo. I'm not mad at. Oh, I'm a little angry about that. But <laughs> we're not a sponsor. Um, how do you? How can you tell a good UFO uh, video on YouTube from a fake? Um. When it comes to videos, guys, I'm going to be honest. I put little to no stock in them. And at one point in UFO research, that's kind of all we had to rely on were videos. But now in an age where literally anything can be faked and a kid can throw a UFO into a photo on an app on their phone and a million people view it, uh, it's hard. It's hard. I, I don't know. We, we can never turn back from that now. So when it comes to video evidence of UFOs, I tell people, hey, okay, look at the source. Like where's the video coming from? Go mm-hmm. to that YouTube channel. See what else is going on on there. Um, can you reach out to the person who posted it and find out you know, exactly when this happened, where, and then go investigate it from there? Um, otherwise, you've got like – Here's a good example. I had someone send me a video a few weeks ago that they said, oh, this UFO was seen in Turkey um, a few weeks ago. What do you think of it? I'm like, oh, that's interesting. I saw that video posted about 12 years ago, mm. and it took place in Iran, not mm-hmm. in Turkey. So, I mean, that that's the problem. There's you know, so where many, are these things coming from? There are videos like that and Bigfoot stuff like that on like Instagram and accounts we follow. It's like – Look at this intriguing Bigfoot photo, and you're like, okay, but where is this from? There's no, there's just so much gar- garbage out there that it. You know what I do? Frustrates me. I just trust my eyes, yeah. Michael. And like when I see, just Google Russian girl trust levitating, me. and you can immediately just get a yeah, sense. You're right. Of I mean that just yeah. that is real. You know what? You're right. And that is you got to trust your eyes. I'm sorry, I ever questioned your you. eyes. Don't lies. Um, to wrap yeah. up, uh, Ryan, and what what cases hold the most merit for you what what are the cases you lean on as as like okay there's something to this phenomenon oh i I know i talked about this on a past episode Mm -hmm. of yours um the tehran iran incident of 1976 is like my golden uh nugget when it comes to hey you you're interested in ufos go look at this i mean i um it was the first case i ever filed a foia on and got actual documents back from the uh the defense intelligence agency about a iranian pilot chasing a ufo in tehran and um having a 
dogfight in the air with this thing. And then um, our own CIA intelligence agencies got involved with it. We were leasing our planes to Iran at the time. So we wanted to know what was uh, outflying our planes um, over there in Iran. So that's a case I highly suggest people check out. I'm going to have a very extensive episode on that event coming up uh, pretty soon. Yeah, on um, my us show. too. Us too. Yeah, yeah we've, we're, we've, we're we've gonna, filed that too. We got some FOIA requests. Yeah, yeah, we're going to do that too. On some stuff. Russian girl levitating. I'm really trying to get to the bottom of that. Dude, Bryce, I love how adamant you are about that Russian levitating video. I know which one you're talking about. And it's scary as shit, man. I'm not going to lie. You know what? So is hereditary. All right. Well, Mr. Sprague, thank you so much. Where can people find you? Uh, They can find me at uh, somewhereintheskies.com. Just same podcast is on there everything i'm up to uh check out the um cwc to watch mysteries decoded a show i contributed to um other than that i'm on all social networks you can find me just type in ryan sprague awesome yeah dude. guys if you're interested in ufos this guy gets some of the best guests to talk to go check yeah. out his podcast it's hands down one if of the you best. want like a smart ufo podcast go listen to you know go listen to this one <laughs> Don't listen Thanks. to this. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, thank you so much, Ryan. We really appreciate your time. And, of course, we will always uh, find you somewhere in the skies. Thanks, dude. I love that. I love it. Thanks, Ryan. Wow. Amazing conversation with Ryan. That guy's so knowledgeable, man. I could have talked to him for, like, two more hours. Yeah, I mean, that was that was cut short for sure. Um, well, that's because um, you're hangry and we got to get you lunch. Yeah. You gave me the hangry eyes. Um, before we go, guys, uh, make sure to follow us on uh, Instagram at Bigfoot Collectors Club. I'm at McMills. Oh, God. Just, <laughs> just bash my knuckle. And I am at Mr. Bryce Johnson, but I'm on a social media hiatus. so That's fine. People yeah. don't need to know that. They, um, they kind of need no, to know that. Fine. Just follow him like, anyway. Why isn't Bryce responding to my... Also, Riley Bray is on Instagram now, at Peace Drone. And guys, uh, we want to let you know that we have a show coming up very soon, uh, March 23rd at, at the uh, Bigfoot Lodge in Los Feliz. Uh, it's Monday. March 23rd, I believe it'll be about 7 p.m., maybe 7.30. Uh, check the Instagram. Uh, but uh, that's a free show, 21 and up, so make sure to come out and see us if you're, if you're in Los Angeles that night. Um, okay, that's great. Until next time, I remain Michael McMillan for Bryce Johnson and Riley Bray. Good night. And go get regressed. Bigfoot Collectors Club is produced by Riley Bray. Our theme song is Come Alone by Sun Eaters, courtesy of Lotus Pool Records. If you like the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps get the podcast to more listeners. To support the show, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash Bigfoot Collectors Club and unlock multiple reward episodes every month. On a summer night, Douglas Wagg Jr. lay motionless across a strip of railroad tracks before being struck by an oncoming train. I'm investigative journalist Delia D'Ambra, and my investigation into exactly how Doug died took me into the depths of a bizarre mystery. It was really hard to understand what was fact and what wasn't. 
a mystery that has led me from one suspicious death to another. Listen to CounterClock now, wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey guys, Heather Ashley here, host of the Big Mad True Crime Podcast. If you're looking for a true crime podcast with all of the details and none of the small talk, you have found your people. Each week, we dive deep into a new case and learn everything there is to know, from getting to know the victim and the impact their case has had on those around them, to the investigation into what happened to them and who is or might be responsible, and if the bad guy looks like he might drink whiskey by a dumpster or has the social skills of an ogre, we say it because we were all thinking it anyway. As the name suggests, we get big mad over true crime, and I would love to have you join our incredible community of listeners with big hearts and zero time for small talk. Subscribe to Big Mad True Crime anywhere you listen to podcasts and listen to new episodes every single Monday.